Welcome to the Mommy Matters podcast, where Mommy Matters is a double entendre that states and declares that mommies matter, where we have conversations surrounding Mommy Matters from conception to pregnancy to postpartum, mother and father wounds, dating, mindfulness and self-care, spirituality, parenting, discipline, legislation, money, and so much more. It is my hope and my prayer that the information that you gather here serves as a blueprint for generational and individual ascension. Enjoy. Well, I always miss you all when I am not with you all. So thank you for listening in and continuing to be a supportive member of this community. I love to hear from you um, in any way that you want to share, anything that you learned. Um, and I am just happy to be a guide on your journey of this process of evolving. And so today our conversation is about perinatal and postpartum care from a cultural and indigenous lens. And I think that this is an extremely important conversation because a lot of us um, may have grown up with certain um, old wives' tales or um, practices even too that we have engaged in, our parents have engaged in. And oftentimes these practices can actually cause some strife and some rift in families because your mom and dad believe that you should do something a particular way and you're not particularly into what they're suggesting. And um, I didn't, um, when I think of it, <laughs> this didn't happen in the perinatal postpartum um, time for me, um, but things around discipline when my daughter got a little bit older um, things like that. But I'm talking specifically around how the woman is taken care of um, during her pregnancy and after a pregnancy, as well as the, the father, because we have to add that care in it too. Because postpartum, what, something that I explained to someone recently, is how to integrate the family together with this new energy in it, right? So knowing that you have this new energy coming and um, being added to the family, how do you integrate them and continue to have the family be in a harmonious state? This is not something that necessarily happens just automatically. Um, it, may, it requires some work. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, and of course, this is going to be an ongoing conversation because we've had conversations about this before um, in a couple of episodes. So you can certainly... Um, look at some of the episodes um, and and find those. Um, I'll put it in the notes what the episode number is because I can't remember at the, off the top of my head at the moment. Um, because I think that it's important, especially with the maternal health crisis, to understand or have a conversation around the genesis of this crisis. Yes, a lot of it has to do with biases and racism and the medical complex not trusting women's bodies or having um, the correct care for women to have a safe, healthy pregnancy. 
Um, and it also comes down to women being able to trust their bodies and have care that helps them to move through um, that is um, safe, that feels um, in their own body, it feels safe. In their community, it feels safe. And upon doing research, that is one of the um, the reasons why a lot of women, for example, indigenous women in um, countries, other countries do not go to hospitals and to doctors um, because they don't feel safe and they want to be able to utilize their practices, their cultural practices, but the hospitals don't allow them to do that, right? And honestly, I'm not even saying that all of the cultural practices are necessarily good or necessarily something that is healthy. It may just be a practice that's based on something that was done, but it doesn't really have any you know, basis. It's just a, a practice that has been done, right? Um, so for example, I read in an article about women in, I don't remember the country, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, and this was in several countries on this continent, actually where in some groups, women, the, the, the colostrum, which is something that we, um, in Western society, we value and we say, you know, it's an important um, part of, you know, using science, we say that that's an important part of the baby and the mom's connection and the nutrients for the newborn baby. So yes, the, the mother should get the, the baby should get the colostrum and the mother should, you know, have the baby on the breast in order to ensure that that um, is given to the baby. Um, but in some cultures, they say that it's not good and that you shouldn't do that, right? Why? It may, again, just be something that was told and passed down. Or there may be some valid reason. But when you understand and you know that kind of information, you can really talk to people instead of um, perhaps just saying, oh, just pushing it on them. You can talk to them and you can understand and you can get them to either do it or choose not to. Um, there's no, uh, I, I don't believe in bullying or forcing a person to doing something that's not, that they're not ready to do, right? Um, especially you know, under certain circumstances, if there's no threats or anything like that, education can save us all, right? I'm an, as an educator, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, educator education can shift people um, into doing things and being in ways that better than um, forcing and and, and um, pushing them into doing something would. Right. Because when they are educated and they feel like they're doing it based on information that they've received, they feel autonomous. Why am I even saying all this? Because the genesis to me of a lot of the maternal care crisis is that a lot of families, women do not feel in control and empowered in themselves to do and create and be in the way that they desire to be. Right. Without having. Um, others interfere or having others push them into doing things. And this is important because think about how you feel if you're just being pushed into doing something, you're being judged because you did not or did do something, right? You probably don't feel good, right? And how does that impact the decisions that you make 
as a parent. So with that said, I think that it's important to have the conversation around how women are women and fathers and families are educated around the perinatal period and the perinatal period is a time in pregnancy to a certain time after pregnancy and postpartum is also a time after pregnancy after delivering the baby um or miscarrying the baby because postpartum is still like the baby is no longer in your body and so postpartum is not just for women who have delivered by the way and so that's, I think, a very important distinction. Your body still goes through the processes of having lost the um, the cells and the hormones that you had in your body because you were carrying the baby. So the body and the mind still goes through the same process. Um, and so that's another part of the conversation. Do we then need to have the same healing process, right, of, of postpartum? And what does that look like in different cultures? How is that accepted in different cultures, miscarriage or abortion and things like that? And how are women able to cope with that? Right. That's a, a, a huge conversation. So in my looking at um, perinatal and postpartum um, and different cultures and doing different research, um, a few years ago, I actually took a class with uh, a group or a business called Indigimama. So that's I-N-D-I-G-E-M-A-M-A, Indigimama. And it was around um, perinatal and postpartum uh, cultural practices. And this woman is from Mexico. She's a indigenous Mexican, and I'm doing this with air quotes, right? So it wasn't called uh, Mexico, right? That's the name that <laughs> it was. It was called by whoever colonized the colonizers. Um, and so she's indigenous. So she comes from a long line of women who um, were midwives and uh, what we now call, I guess, postpartum doulas. It, uh, um, it wasn't called a postpartum doula. It was just midwife, you know, um, and the women in the village who would assist women with their their work um, after having a baby um, or know the different ways to do that. Um, so it always it came together. So now we have birth doula and postpartum doula. But in the past, it was like all together. Right. And that makes sense because you build a relationship with the mom you know, and with the baby in utero. And so, you know, it just makes sense for you to continue that relationship and assist the woman and the father and, and whoever else in healing through their process. And so, you know, I just became very curious about what's uh, from that, taking that class, from talking to other people that I've interviewed, from observing various things and asking questions. Um, there are different things that I learned that I wouldn't have known. And, you know, just being able to make the connection between what people do in different cultures and what we do in this culture. <laughs> and <clears throat> so one of the people that I asked, of course, if you all do not know, um, my uh, family, I was actually born in Jamaica and I took, um, 
I, you know, my, I'm fortunate and grateful to have my grandmother who is still uh, living to ask her and she had nine children. Okay. Both of my grandmothers are actually still living. They're still alive. My maternal and paternal. And I was able to ask my uh, paternal grandmother about what are some of the things that are suggested in postpartum, like things that women should eat. And, you know, I was just curious to see um, some of the considerations. And um, I'm going to share with you some of the things that I learned as well as share with you some of the things that I learned in my research. And as I said, this is an ongoing conversation. So I really want you to do your own research, you know, like ask Again, that you have the old wives' tales, <laughs> right? Um, but then you also have, so for example, I'm going to give you one of the old wives' tales that um, when my daughter was born, my mom, and I don't know if it's an old wives' tale. I don't know the science behind it, um, but it did ring true in some way for me because my mother told me when girls are born, you have to like squeeze their breasts and when you squeeze their breasts, like milk, some kind of milk comes out. Um, and that's important to do because if you don't do that, then the, the, the child um, is going to have really bad body odor when they get older or something like that. And so I was like, okay, well, let me do that. I did. And some milk did come out of her breast area, you know, and this is when she's a newborn. Like she's like a month old, if that. And so I was like, okay, you know. And I remember a friend of mine had a baby some maybe a year or so after that. And I told her what my mom told me, you know, and she tried to do it and it didn't, nothing came out, you know? And so, you know, this is a testament to our individuality and the individual things that can transpire with our bodies. Um, and how sometimes having cer certain expectations um, culturally can be very interesting. Um, and that we really have to be okay that things are different with people sometimes and trust intuition and be okay with the different things that we may have especially when it's something non-harmful, like just squeezing the chest to see if something comes out, you know, and really look at some of our traditions and the things that we do. So, of course, in the perinatal um, period, women need to rest a lot, right? You're growing a baby inside of your body, right? And so it may be imperative for you to really Think about how your body is going to be able to do that as well as take on all of the processes that it is already taking on, you know, just digestion and food and all of that. It takes a lot. It takes a lot out of your physical um, in order to do that. And I think that in, in the Western context, in, in America particularly, women work a lot. Um, I've heard and seen women who work up to, you know, days before, just a few weeks before giving birth. And I'm not sure that that's a healthy thing. You know, I'm not sure. Um, but I've also seen in, in you know, uh, countries and continents where women do the same thing. They may be working in the field, you know, on their crops or whatever the case may be. And it may be that 
Maybe they're not working as hard as we think or whatever the case may be. But I do think that rest is very critical. I do believe that nutrition is very critical and nutrition is definitely something that, um, you know, culturally we see a lot. I learned in the Indigimama class that, you know, women can take certain herbs to ensure that they're getting, I guess it's sort of like the prenatal, <laughs> you know, thing. And in fact, I learned about stinging nettle in that um in that class and started to take stinging nettle myself for my own uh well-being and i'm gonna again put that name in the um the show notes so stinging nettle um is something that you can take red raspberry i don't think you can take res red raspberry while you're pregnant i think you can take it after pregnancy um these are just some things um, that I learned. Also, it's very important to take healthy fats. So indigenous cultures, people like, for example, in the Digimama course, um, indigenous people from the area now called Mexico take things like chocolate, right? Because chocolate has healthy fats in it, but it's not like chocolate, like, you know, Cadbury. <laughs> this is chocolate, like raw cocoa that they grind and make tea out of. And it's actually quite delicious. It's better than a cat, a chocolate bar, um, you know, eating healthy fats, like healthy fish and, um, healthy oils like coconut oil and things like that are critical to the mom's energy as well as, um, the baby's development, the brain development. And these are important too, after having the baby, right. To continue the strength of the mom and to keep her, have her body heal. Cause a huge part of, um, everything is ensuring that the body heals. So some of the things that I learned um, from my grandmother, okay, um, was um, the things that are taken after, right? So one of the things that she told me, um, nine days after giving birth for nine days, um, you have to drink cornmeal porridge. You drink cornmeal porridge. You don't have to, but this is what traditionally people do. Cornmeal porridge is like, it's exactly what it says. It's cornmeal. You use the cornmeal and you make it into like a, um, what's the word that I can use? Like a cereal type thing, but it's hot, hot cereal, Right. Um, and they usually put milk and some kind of sweetener and things like that in it. Um, the other thing that I was intrigued that she said that um, they take is they take a lot of teas. And one of the teas is Senna. So Senna, you know, makes you go to the bathroom, S-E-N-N-A, right? Um, again, the same consideration of warmth and having warm things. And so I know in, in our society, Western society, um, you know, we uh, say that women need to have some warming foods. Um, so Senna, Ceresi tea, Ceresi tea is a blood builder. Okay. So Ceresi is something that, um, I mean, I take it even now to help clean my blood and, and to, um, you know, when I used to be addicted to eating sweets, that <laughs> was a great bitter drink to take to, again, clear my blood of the sugar to rebalance my, um, 
blood sugar. Um, the one that was intriguing was boiled cobweb. I am not sure what that means um, and what that looks like or anything like that, but that was very intriguing to me. Um, aloe vera or uh, and tuna. Tuna is it's a tree that you'll find in places that are warm and it looks like a cactus. I think it is a form of cactus. And inside of it is a very gelatinous um, thing <laughs> that you can make into a tea. Um, I've drunk it before. I've actually used it to like condition my hair um, one time when I was in Jamaica. So you can use those things. So those are some of the things. Vervine was another one that she told me. And that can be given to the baby and mom if the... If, um, you know, the baby and the mom or the mom has a cold inside, like she's feeling cold. Um, and the other thing that she told me was old woman bitters, um, and love bush. Um, and that love bush is good for baby with gripe. Now, do I know what the translation of any of these are? No. Um, but I'm sure if I were to go to Jamaica, I would be able to find someone who would be able to tell me. And so that's one of the things with, um, indigenous and cultural ways is that sometimes you don't know what the translation of the, the herb is, right? Um, so that's something to consider if you have perhaps you're a postpartum doula, you're working with a family, that would be a great um, considerate thing to do to learn about some of the things that they do culturally and to, um, you know, let them know where they can get it or, you know, to make them feel safe in their, um, their postpartum lives. Um, you know, it's, it's really, I think it's critical for the mental health of a family to feel like they are in, um, control of their destiny with their, their family, with their children. I think that that is absolutely, um, critical, <laughs> a, a critical piece. And oftentimes I think we forget about that need for families to feel in control. I mean, there's already, you know, so much going on um, with trying to adjust to the baby oftentimes and, you know, not being able to feel like you're in control. Um, yeah. is important. So that was just something that I wanted to share about some cultural ways. This is a very, what I'm talking about right now is a very surface thing because there's so many other things that go into it and so many other conversations to have around, you know, if you're Westernized, but your family, your mom or whoever has um, a mom or grandma, depending on how old, you know, has different ways of doing things. Um, to understand, I read in one of the articles that I was reading that in westernized countries, you know, they treat birth or we treat birth like a medical event that needs to be managed by specialists. Um, but in other countries, birth is treated as a natural event where women give birth at home or in birthing center in the community or and are attended by midwives, doulas, or other healers. Okay. Um, and medical interventions aren't Central, and I know that from personal experience 
that when I delivered my daughter in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, at the Korean hospital <laughs> in Ethiopia, um, I went into labor on March 12th. And my doctor basically said, you know, if we don't see the mucus plug or your water did not break, just walk it out, you know, until you, you know, or the contractions get, you know, more intense. So I was in labor for two days until I finally went to the hospital and felt like it was, you know, time, even though some of the mucus plugs started to come out, even though my water didn't break. And, um, you know, I, I use that example as a prime or a, a clear example of that. Like I wasn't seen as some something was wrong with me because I had gone in labor because I was pregnant. It was merely a natural process that I was developing a relationship with my child at that point with the delivery and the pregnancy. Um, and it was something that that could be worked out. And even when I got to the hospital, they waited for the longest to try to, you know, get, um, to, to break the, uh, water on their own because they did eventually have to do that. Um, one part that I did not particularly care for was, um, them telling me to, to not push. And it was like, I was not pushing. My body was pushing. It was time for her to come out, <laughs> you know? And so, that's also a example of women not being trusted in, or our bodies not being trusted, right? Because oftentimes we are not pushing. Our bodies are telling us to push, right? Or it is just pushing on its own because it's just time for the baby to come out. And I don't know why that's not a known thing. I think there's the cognitive dissonance between us seeing on television, the doctor saying push and the woman pushing. Um, but from my experience, I didn't have to push. She literally just came out, right? Um, or I should say she, she started to come out and I had to push a little bit. Like it wasn't like this push type thing, <laughs> you know? And so that's a part of the conversation as well when it comes to um, just trusting your body. I think a lot of it has to do with trusting your body, trusting what your body can do, um, building up your intuition in your process and doctors and nurses being, you know, experts, but experts based on what it is that you have shared with them and what you're asking for and need. You know, because when you're treating it so heavily like a medical event, and yes, I know that childbirth is probably one of the most precarious and, and quote unquote dangerous things. Because, I mean, quite frankly, we take for granted that women actually have babies because, you know, the the mortality rate, quite frankly, around the world is is it's it's a concerning thing. It can be a concerning thing. Um, but I do believe that trusting the body of the woman, trusting the woman and the woman having the autonomy to be, be trusted and treated well. I mean, when you speak to a plant, well, the plant grows. It is well nourished and nurtured. When you trust it to do what it is to do, it will do that thing.
And I have many examples of that from my house plants to my child, to my own self in certain processes. And so I think that there that needs to be a part of the conversation and there needs to be a dispelling of the fears around doing things the way that the woman sees um, as comfortable and maybe part of her culture and really bringing those back into our lives if we don't know them. How do we bring those, those elements back into our lives? How do we bring those elements back into our ways of doing things so that we feel like we have a level of understanding and perhaps control around living our lives? Because that's one of the number one things that women say. They don't know things and they feel disempowered and in not so many words, disempowered and perhaps weak in the process, right? And so it's just something to think about. It's just something to think about. Uh, I'm going to keep this episode brief today, but I did enjoy having this conversation and it, it is an ongoing conversation. So we will be talking about this um, again. And I look forward to having um, some guests on who are experts in this topic to talk to us about it um, and give us more insight and understanding and just have an ongoing conversation. Have a conversation with your families and tell me what you find out. What are some things that your mom or your grandma did? What are some things that are common in your culture that may have been done um, for perinatal and postpartum? And how can you infuse some of those things into um, your practices, perhaps as a person having a baby or a person in in a family of women who are having babies or men who are having um, babies, okay? Um, their wives or girlfriends or whomever are having babies. So that's something to think about. How do you, I feel like it's an empowering um, thing and it's a full circle evolution for you to have those kinds of practices. Um, I, I don't know that my child um, Pregnancy and child rearing days will, will happen again. But please note that I would absolutely include these things into my um, practices, these cultural practices into my um, ways if I were to, because it brings me calm and peace in my um, rearing and growth of a child. And so why not? You know, it's something that I own. So with that said, thank you all for listening. And I look forward to hearing from you. And I will see you all next month. Peace and love. Did you like that? I know it was as informative for you as it was for me. Look, this is a process for all of us. And to keep this process going, I would love to invite you to donate to our podcast. We want to continue to give you high-level content, beautiful content that enlightens and inspires and broadens your vision to elevate you and evolve. So please feel free to go to the podcast page at anchor.fm forward slash mommy matters. We would love to hear your questions and comments as well so that we can discuss them in future podcasts. 
And you can email that to momevolve at gmail.com. You can also visit the website and send your comments there, www.mommyevolve.com. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Peace and love.